This podcast is a production of America Matters Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the America Matters Media Podcast Network by visiting americamatters.us. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review at your favorite place to download podcasts. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers, although we think they should. But that's the opinion of America Matters Media. America spends five to ten times more on health care than any other country in the world. Then why does America rank number 43 worldwide for longevity? Third world countries such as Cuba and Costa Rica rank higher than the U.S. So what's wrong with health care in America? This is what's wrong. Our $3 trillion healthcare industry is focused on disease management, while 70% of our planet relies on traditional indigenous medicine that is focused on health optimization. Learn how. Join Dr. Dan Royal on the show, The Royal Treatment, bringing you the latest information on the best of medicine, biotechnology, and pharmacology, as well as secrets from the past. These secrets have withstood the test of time and are being rediscovered today. In fact, indigenous healthcare practitioners are using them for the benefit of their patients who seek optimal health and wellness. Now, here is Dr. Dan Royal. Greetings, listeners. We are coming to you again today via Zoom for those of you watching us on TV and also through America Matters Media, which is our radio station. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to The Royal Treatment. We're here every week to answer your health questions. And if you don't have any questions, well, we always have some answers. Keep in (laughs) mind, our program is designed to help inform you, the listener, or empower you with information you can use to optimize your health and well-being. Most of you already know that the current healthcare system is a sick care system based on disease management. And that's what insurance reimbursement pays for. But if you want optimal health and wellness, well, you have to take charge of your life, and that means you might have to pay for some things, or I should say invest in your health. First, I'd like to thank our sponsors. We have two in particular, the Turtle Healing Bank Clinic, where I work here in Las Vegas, and the First Nation Medical Board. Both of these entities are sponsored by the Crow Nation of Indians. This is because we believe that the future of alternative medicine, if we are to preserve, protect, and promote it, lies in the jurisdiction of the Indian nation. They have been given the right by the federal government to regulate the practice of traditional medicine, which includes all things alternative, holistic, integrative, and so forth. And so we thank them for their support. In fact, we recently um, updated our agreement with the Crow tribe of Indians to include some other entities that are related to everything that we're doing with the clinic and the First Nation Medical Board. Well, today we have a guest with us. Her name is Carol Peterson. She is a registered pharmacist, but also a certified nutrition practitioner. She specializes in hormones, particularly female hormones, because she worked with Women's International Pharmacy for well, I want to say 27 years, but she can tell That's us. Right. <laughs> well, thank you. I was going to say you could tell us otherwise if I get it wrong. She also hosts a radio show in the New York area called Take Charge of Your Health. So we have lots to talk about today. And uh, Carol, I didn't say a whole heck of a lot about you, but maybe you can fill me and our listeners in on the things that I didn't cover. Okay. I would say in addition to that, um, one time, 
I was nominated as pharmacist of the year. I didn't win, but my category was activist. And uh, okay. I've, I've carried that into my career with everything. And it seems like in every arena of my life requires some action because we are being attacked from so many areas. And I'm very involved right now with the Integrative Medical Consortium. You and I had a little chat about that, say, umbrella group for um complementary integrative medicine groups and uh, some of the practitioners in this group in their member organizations are being attacked and gagged and I, I assume we can speak freely sure speak, the, freely. <laughs> speak freely the federal trade commission is up to well over 250 warning letters to Physicians, DOs, chiropractors, naturopaths, acupuncturists, homeopaths, uh, supplement companies. And, and the message pretty much is, if you are talking about COVID and you have any kind of scheme to mitigate, resolve, prevent, build resilience to, you're could get a warning letter and there are uh, web trolls looking for you. The uh, Federal Trade Commission, I believe, has spent $350,000 on these type of people to, to come out and find you. And, and so you have 48 hours to seize and desist. <laughs> and if you're faced with the gorilla of the US federal government, What's going to happen? What's what's going to happen is your presence on the on the web, or even a brochure you have in your office might be a uh, uh, suspect. And one practitioner, who is a naturopath, was following the guidance of the um, naturopathic board in their state to put on their website all the things that they were doing in their office to be protective and what they were going to be doing when they right. reopened their office. So that's on the front page, very deeply into previous blogs was how to help yourself with the flu or the virus uh, season uh, way before COVID. So just even uniting those two things on the same website, not having anything to do with each other, uh, got them a letter, a threatening letter. Right now, I don't know of anybody who is <laughs> out now taking it to court. I think it's a violation, not only of freedom of speech, it's a violation really of the, um, the regulation of the professions by the federal government versus state government, professions should be state government role. That's what's happening. So there's a big incursion of federalism into our ability to really speak out and, and tell people what's, what's happening, what they can do for themselves. 
And, I agree uh, with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. Very interesting. We're going to continue that conversation and talk about perhaps the difference between federal and state regulation. I'm Dr. Dan Roy, your list of the world team. Our guest today is Carol Peterson, registered pharmacist. Stay right with us. We'll be back. To join the conversation, call 844-790-TALK. That's 844-790-8255. Now, back to the show. We are back to the show. I'm Dr. Dan Royal, and you are listening to The Royal Treatment. Now, if you need to reach me, if you have a health question and you would like some free medical advice, who wouldn't like that? (laughs) There are limits, you know, what we can do. I had a patient who emailed me uh, this morning who has a breast cancer condition and wants to know exactly what we would do for her. Of course, she's been through conventional therapy and is now in stage four and has had the mastectomy, the chemotherapy and so forth. And she wants to know what my plan would be for her. My plan is for her to come in the office for us to do some additional tests, which they haven't done, such as Nagalase and AMAS to check uh, the enzyme produced by cancer to inhibit her immune system, because that's what we work to emphasize and the AMAS test to check the cancer antibodies to see if her body's actually recognizing and fighting cancer and then we can make a plan but i always need more information from the patient because we're limited in what we can do for people who are not patients and we're also limited um by the information we're given whether it's by a text or email so you can't really replace the face-to-face human interaction and i always need the patient here in order to decide what's best for their treatment plan Uh, We also have a rule, for example, patients may want us to fill out paperwork, and this could be for the uh, Family Medical Leave Act, but we always ask them to come in because there are questions that we simply can't answer unless they are here in person, and you don't want me to answer without you because you might not like the outcome if I do. Now, if you need to reach me, you can always email me, Dr. Dan Royal, directly at droyal, R-O-Y-A-L, at THB Clinic. That's D as in Daniel Royal at THB, TurtleHealingBandClinic.com. Or you can call us here at the Turtle Healing Band Clinic, 702-562-1454, 702-562-1454. And now back to our guest, Carol Peterson. And we're going to continue on with our discussion. We were talking before the break a little bit about the difference between federal and state regulation. Right. So no single state ever gave the federal government it's, a, it's authority to regulate any of the professions, whether it's dentistry, medicine, nursing, pharmacy. Correct. It's all pretty much sanctified as being a state's right and authority. But now we're getting, in various ways, we're getting like insidious um, in, incursion into our ability to practice and well, we should probably emphasize the point that the reason the states have that jurisdiction is because they are solely responsible for the health, safety, and welfare of their citizens. And what's very interesting is when they are challenged on this matter, at least at the Supreme Court level, they have never lost. So this is an area, even as of today, where the states do reign supreme. So please continue. Oh, so we, we have faced a number of challenges from the FDA in the field I am with compounding and in hormone therapies. And in 1997, we won a um, lawsuit against the uh, FDA. And it 
if the regulations as they had written it were to prevail, they were going to prevent any pharmacist who is doing any compounding that's individualized preparations for people. Um, they were going to inhibit our ability to talk about any drug, drug therapy, or classes of drug. Um, so maybe you could have uh, two words, I compound, <laughs> nothing else. A severe restriction of speech, and it went to the um, Supreme Court, actually, on commercial free speech, truthful speech. Mm -hmm. And it was a horrifying experience. I got to be there and go through the whole process. And which was horrifying to me was it was a five to four decision. One person made all the difference. Four justices at the time decided that commercial free speech was not um, guaranteed by the First Amendment in our case. And it just was shocking to me. Uh, having gone through that, obviously we prevailed, but then the FDA came back with a whole new set of regulations, and the regulations now are um, even more draconian, and they're trying to, first of all, decrease your ability to use substances because the FDA has set up a committee where only they can approve uh, what you're going to compound with, and um, they meet about four times a year and look at, um, maybe they look at uh, up to four or five substances per meeting and mostly in spite of any testimony or whatever the fda's recommendations are to deny so our ability to choose things and even uh, dietary supplements the herbal world they have flat flat hands down refused to even consider that they're not even going to consider it as a possibility. So I know there have been some herbal products that are um, being challenged, like artemisia and curcumin have even been used intravenously. And the FDA is trying to shut all that down. Another tactic by the FDA, similar to what the Federal Trade Commission is doing, that if you want to um, compound that your pharmacy can't send things over state lines if it is more than 5% of what you compound or alternatively you reach agreement with each and every state and they might raise it to 30 or 40%, which is, is a terrible um, hindrance to specialty pharmacies. Let's say your specialty as ours was, was hormones and we were one of the first in the country to do that. So our, our customer base, and we're duly licensed all over, was hormones. I know other pharmacies might specialize in pain therapies or are a special disease state. My um, a friend who's actually Canadian, his whole effort as a pharmacist um, became providing the super nutrition that children with Down syndrome needed. So. Okay. He, he needed to have and needs to have continue a wide reach for people to access that, that kind of thing. And I'm sure this is going to go in the courts, but it's, it's up there right now. And then the <laughs> FDA uh, has uh, 
charged the National Academy of Science, Engineering, and Medicine, a newly formed group, but they're, they're pretty much in the pocket of the FDA. They formed a committee to review hormone um, uh, therapies, whatever kind, whatever kind of hormone therapies that were being compounded. And I have to say, I listened to all of them. Uh, Dr. David Rosensweet um, did a magnificent presentation. Uh, some of the other presentations were okay. And some of them weren't all that good. Uh, not the caliber of information that people should have out there, but the caliber of that committee was horrifying to me. The uh, type of questions that were being asked showed to me not even a baseline of knowledge in physiology, biochemistry. <laughs> so it's like, even though you have this big fancy name, National Association of uh, science, engineering, and medicine. Um, it doesn't mean that those people have the base amount of knowledge that they need to have to make a decent decision. And um, why it should be even up for a decision is a good question. So they have uh, completed their report and it'll be made public July 1st. Okay. So people can actually um, go, to, go to that group and sign up to listen to that hearing, the presentation. Well, we always have to remember who the FDA represents, and they work essentially for the big pharma, the largest special interest in the world. Now, big pharma will pay billions of dollars just to get their drugs approved, and that money is going to someone is going to a federal agency and so unfortunately we've gotten to a situation in our country where the regulatory agencies and our representatives are being controlled by the ones who influence them the most with money i know what the compound pharmacy here in las vegas that i use they have some serious restrictions not just nationally but from our state. So as you mentioned, they're not allowed to send some things out of state to patients, particularly hormones, but they've also limited, uh, not even by our state, probably at the national level, they're limited by some of the ingredients that they can use. So for example, we mm -hmm. can't get injectable NADH anymore. We can't get injectable DMPS. Now NADH is a energy molecule yes. that we use uh, along mm -hmm. with, let's say B5 and B12. Uh, we can't even get AMP. We used to get AMP, which is another energy molecule and dmps of course is a mercury uh, detoxifying chelating agent which we mm -hmm. can't get anymore so we're being increasingly limited and the restrictions are being multiplied on the compound pharmacy with the ultimate objective to obviously get them out of business and this has been going on for years i mean this was going on about 20 years ago even when i was in uh, texas when the uh, apothecary uh, compound pharmacy Apothecary, yes. Yeah, so they went through their trials. Recently, I had a patient in my office. She's a 39-year-old woman. She has metastatic breast cancer. She was only diagnosed last summer. She even went to Germany and got all the alternative therapies you can think of, mm -hmm. hyperthermia, immune therapy, ozone, and so forth. She has three young children, like two, four, and six. And unfortunately, the likely, most likely cause of breast cancer, which is epidemic in our society, is chemical drugs, hormones. Not the natural ones. But yep. the chemical ones produced by big pharma, such as Premarin, such as Provera, and so forth. I'm Dr. Dan Royer. Listen to the Royal Treatment. 
and I'm here today with Caroline Peterson, pharmacist, coming to us from Canada. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Are you shy and don't want to talk on the air? Text us your questions or comments to 775-237-2266. Now back to the show. We are back to the show, and I thank you for sticking with us. We're now in the second half of our program, and so far it's been a very interesting and stimulating conversation with Carol Ann Peterson. She's a registered pharmacist. She was educated in Wisconsin, but she's also a registered certified nutritionist, and she's worked for Women's International Pharmacy. I should mention that is a compound pharmacy, one of the originals, because even in my early days, I was using them as my source of bioidentical hormones. So, Carol, let's continue our discussion. Okay, can we can we go to a hormone thing? Let's talk about hormones. Why not? <laughs> so, I just organized a uh, PowerPoint. I'm going to deliver it at ICIM International College of Integrative Medicine this fall, right. provided okay. we, we meet. And I discovered to I discovered that there are some things that we kind of hold true that might not be true and i was looking for particularly uh progesterone how many milligrams of progesterone or how much progesterone does the human body produce every day and we had a number and it was 20 milligrams 30 milligrams so i looked all over for source material for that how we would determine that the amount of that hormone that we made and where it was made, how it was measured, was it measured differently in men and women? How did we do all that to get to that number, which is sort of in the whole field. There are a lot of practitioners who give women that dose, 20, 30 milligrams. And I will say that those women aren't necessarily doing very well. Well, that's only 2 or 3%, right? 2 or 3%, isn't that what that translates to? I mean, yes, uh, you know, yes. technically that's like over-the-counter stuff, but go ahead. Right, exactly. Anyway, there's a, a, a number of things, and I finally figured out what the source of that, and it was one of the pioneers in hormone therapy, which was Dr. John Lee from California. Right. Wrote, he wrote a book, and yeah. I liked his book, Natural Progesterone. But he's the one who said 20 milligrams. Yeah. He also said these things like hormones store in your fat. And here we go is another urban myth because I have yet to find a fat biopsy that proves that. And I have been looking for 27 years. No, not okay. 25, maybe 25. And uh, when I was at the University of Wisconsin, I had been interested in going to grad school, and I started, and I was going to work with Dr. Joe Robinson, whose specialty was skin and eyes, and he actually did a lot of work with progesterone, and he created um, a progesterone product that's vaginal. It's called Crinone, so it's essentially progesterone in a lubricant replense, which he also developed. So we go to him and, and go, Dr. Robinson, what about this idea of fat storage of hormones? And he goes, well, that's complete rubbish. <laughs> he said, it just has to get through the stratus corneum in your skin, and then it goes into your bloodstream. End of story. That's how it works. 
And then uh, there's also this thing about rotating where you put your hormones on because your receptors get saturated okay. in a particular spot. Well, that's another. Not, nothing has ever been shown to make that a true statement. All of that came from John Lee. I okay. went back to his writing, picked out those things, and I communicated with Dr. Ray Pete. Correct. And okay. You remember his name? Yes, I get his, I've been getting his newsletter for 30 years. <laughs> Me too. I love it. He, uh, I don't 100% agree with him, but he always makes me have to think. <laughs> well, everything he says in his newsletter is, for the most part, documented, which I find quite interesting. But go ahead. Yes, yes. So he's, uh, you know, he's foundational. He's the scientist behind all this. John Lee stole his ideas, actually, I believe. And I've heard John Lee speak many times, and he very rarely gave Dr. Pete the credit. I think yeah, was, Dr. Pete actually was, did his uh, doctoral dissertation. You might know this back around 1970 mm-hmm. on the subject of estrogen, the hormone. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So he's he's been amazing. So I emailed Dr. Pete and I go, uh, "Where did all this stuff come from?" And and he goes, "Well, basically, he said John Lee made it up. He thought it was a good number." <laughs> possible yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and he he attached a reference like you just said he references stuff right and the reference contained just one study and it was a measure of the venous return from the uterus and that was well over 100 milligrams well one of the things that dr pete has said which i never forgot was that if you do overdose on progesterone which i've never known anyone to come close to doing that you behave as if you're drunk. The bottom line is you really, for the most part, can't overdose on progesterone. It, it it does so much for the body and, of course, breaks down to other hormones. And we actually use it in our cancer patients um, because it is anti-carcinogenic. And I'm talking about the natural hormone. One of the things we have to educate patients about is the cancers associated with hormones are the prescription drugs because they are drugs with side effects. But natural products don't have side effects. They have direct effects, not side effects. And <laughs> Usually those direct effects are beneficial in some way because it's breaking down to yet another natural product. What do you think? Absolutely, 100%. The other thing is we've since learned quite a lot since um, almost 30 years ago, I have, but uh, hormones do not necessarily just become uh, excreted by an organ like the ovaries and the testes and uh, the thyroid and the pituitary your body makes hormones all over the place and one one of the articles i pulled was the schwann cells which are the cells that cover uh, that create myelin the covering from all your your nervous system tissue okay those schwann cells make their own pregnenolone and progesterone mm-hmm. it's so important and a clue to this is a low progesterone state is present when people are having seizures. They're unable to maintain that sheath that they need to protect their nerves. Okay. In the brain. Yes. Everything's in your brain to make hormones. Well, the brain does have receptors for, <laughs> as you mentioned, pregnenolone, I believe progesterone, but for, certainly for active thyroid, T3 as well. Absolutely. That whole endocrine system is in your brain as well. All of the enzymes, all of the source materials. Progesterone is a major neurosteroid. And 
it is a precursor to an even more major one, allopregnenolone. So oh, you, the- <laughs> you mentioned that it's uh, uh, in the brain. I just want to just mention there was a study done uh, showing the effectiveness of using pregnant on the treatment of a post-traumatic stress disorder. Of course, this is for the, uh, the veterans. Mm-hmm. But remember that pregnant on is a mother steroid. It breaks down to what? Progesterone. And DHEA. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Correct. But, but, but definitely. And traumatic brain injury, same thing. Uh, there's... Uh, damage to the pituitary and the hypothalamus and even the pineal gland in your brain when you have brain trauma. I've uh, taken Mark Gordon's course on TBI at least four times. And he he also has it very, very well documented that those hormones make a huge difference. And then we have this uh, intracrinology. And the work for this was done by somebody at McGill University that with starting material DHEA, inside your cell, you can make every other hormone that, that your body wants, the estrogens, testosterone, other adrenal hormones, all possible right inside your cell. Hmm, so, fascinating. Yes. So I don't know that we'll ever know how much hormone we actually make. It's too many sources, too much in transition to, to ever learn that mystery so i'd like to say we've had a myth that continues please don't underuse progesterone i think it's a dangerous state it stimulates your estrogen receptors for estrogen probably but i too many women have used that small amount and their breasts swell swell up and they're anxious and raging and can't sleep that means too little progesterone and then they think right I've tried progesterone and I can't take it. Well, part of the problem is when you're supplementing with a natural product like progesterone, uh, when you take that or you increase your level, you're resensitizing your cells and now your body wakes up to the real state of estrogen dominance and progesterone mm-hmm. deficiency. So what that means is, as you correctly point out, you need more progesterone. One of the things that uh, I will also mention about Ray Pete, he's written a few books. And one of the mm-hmm. books, he talks about the effect of using progesterone in pregnant women. Of course, when you're pregnant, your progesterone should be as high as it can possibly be. You know, as soon as the uh, the egg has been, um, let's say, implanted, uh, you, the progesterone should kick in. If it's not kicking in, what happens? Well, you'll eventually have a miscarriage. But if you have a high level of progesterone, what has been shown is that it correlates with a higher IQ in your children because it's so very important for brain or, as you mentioned, neurodevelopment. Right. That was original work done by Dr. Katerina Dalton over 50 years ago. So it makes you wonder. And I actually read in Dr. Pete's book that when you get gestational diabetes, uh, you do that to enhance the oxygen to the brain of the fetus, which progesterone would have been doing, but somehow your progesterone isn't adequate. Your second fallback position is gestational diabetes. And I would say anybody who is looking at that kind of diagnosis, they should be zipping up on their progesterone and have the smarter kids. <laughs> well, keep, hold that thought because I want to continue this discussion after the break. I'm Dr. Dan Roy. You're listening to The Royal Treatment. My guest today is Carol Ann Pearson. I'm sorry, Peterson. <laughs> I know Carol Ann Pearson. <laughs> Carol Peterson. She's a pharmacist, registered pharmacist, and certified nutritionist. We'll be right back. 
Want to expand your advertising dollar? Sponsor this or any America Matters program by calling 775-827-8900, extension 2. Now back to the show. We are back to the show. I'm Dr. Dan Royal, and you're listening to The Royal Treatment. Coming to you from Las Vegas through America Matters Media on radio and television. If you need to reach me directly, you can email me at droyal at thbclinic.com. Remember, that's one of our sponsors, the Turtle Healing Band Clinic. D, as in Daniel, Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, at thb for turtlehealingbandclinic.com. Or email us, or, sorry, not email us, call us. If you don't email us, <laughs> 702-560-1454, My guest today is Carol Peterson, registered pharmacist and certified nutritionist. And we're going to continue our discussion on natural hormones. Take it away, Carol. Oh, where should we go from there? There's, there's other things that are really interesting about um, hormones. I, let's go to Dr. Jerry Lynn Pryor's work. Okay. Uh, she has for decades been looking at the menstrual cycle and ovulation, and she's at the University of British Columbia. I've had the lovely opportunity to meet her, and uh, she's become my friend, and she put me on her scientific advisory board. Okay. And once, once she made me help with trying to get a grant, and so it's got all these, all these things about now, how many chairs you held at the university, how many articles you've published, and none of it applies. Okay. I go, I go. why do you want me on this grant? She says, the grant is about the translation of information from studies to practitioners to patients, and that simply is not done very well. And she said, you're really good at it. And I've written a newsletter uh, okay. for more than 20 years or edited or put it together. And that was really a big part of my work, putting, putting out the word. When I first started in this field, nobody knew anything about anything. And over the years, we built up that knowledge base so people can read in, in a manner that is understandable, both practitioners, well-documented, but your patients have to be able to read what's going on. So that has been such yeah. such a wonderful tool, and getting getting the public uh, some information, and so they know what they can ask for. They can identify what's going wrong with them, and and bring that up to their practitioners. There, that's a really sad thing with conventional medicine these days. I hear back from people; they go see somebody, and. They spend the whole time not even looking at the patient, but yeah. they're sitting answering questions on the computer. Correct. Now, in my opinion, if you're a good medical practitioner, and I still believe that it's really an art, not a yes. science. Yes, it is. It, it's the, the science is too easily twisted, but you can tell an extreme amount about that patient the minute you encounter them. And I, I like right. what you said before about somebody has to come to your office and see you and interact with you yes. and allow your body to take in what that patient is presented with. I once did a, a newsletter on just looking at the person's face, you can see all these hormone deficiencies. Okay. And <laughs> 
<laughs> but one of the things no. I'll mention uh, when you're interacting with the patient, there's an intuition. And yes. some people might call it bedside manner. But when a patient is here and I can connect with them, I can help determine what I feel would be most appropriate for them. Now, I never ask a patient to do anything you're not willing to do. But I need to be able to understand where the patient has been in, in order to be able to determine where I want to help them to go to improve their health and achieve their goals with our mutual cooperation. Right. One of the things I've done with consultations with people about hormones is I listen to their story, uh, whatever is going on with them. And I'm very patient and, and I listen carefully. And then I'll say, um, having listened to you, let me translate what I'm getting in mind when you're talking about this and why um, I think this. And I go into that conversation. And it's, it's very interesting when uh, people hear that, you know, they feel so validated. They'll say, you are absolutely right. That just fits everything I'm thinking about. <laughs> and I know that we're on the right track for some kind of connection to help that, that person get better and get what, what they want. I also know if that connection isn't there, uh, let's say, and this is friends and family are the absolute worst because you can see right in front of your eyes and you know them and you know you could help if they'd only let you. <laughs> and yeah. and it, it, it's like nothing you can say or do lets you in. Uh, I, and I don't know, maybe it's a problem with being too close to somebody. That, well, one of the that, things that, that I found, happen. when you have a one-on-one -on -one interaction and I'm talking with somebody and we're actually connecting, in the process of talking, I will actually say some things that educate us both. Maybe it was unexpected. You can call yes. it truth from God or from the universe. Mm -hmm. There are various ways by which that is manifest, and occasionally I found myself saying things that help me to answer questions that I had or I hadn't thought about, but it came out in a conversation. It wasn't something I had premeditated. It was just part of the natural human interaction experience. Yes. Um, and I've often advised people to find an old doctor <laughs> because that person has had a lifetime of those interactions and a lifetime of learning from patients. And that's, that's the encyclopedia of everything that you'd really like to hook into. So if you go to a physician who's new, new, newly trained, just out of school, they have none of that. They've been successfully getting themselves out of school in their training, but they're doing this by rote. Correct. So, for example, last week we had a guest on our show, Dr. Jackie C. He's a cardiologist who mm -hmm. has been through a health journey himself and is a proponent and practitioner of alternative medicine. But he's 78 years old. He comes from the generation that believes that, well, let's say during the first part of your life, you're, you're getting your education. And during the middle part of your life, you're practicing now what you've been trained to do. But during the latter part of your life, you give back. And that's what he is doing. Very, very nice. I think that that's reflective for me too. Right now, I want people to have the information they need. When they know they get the information for themselves, they resonate. 
with it. Yes. And that's what you're doing with this program as well. If you if it's for you, you you're going to want it and you're going to implement it for yourself. And I'll, I'll say, for example, you know, you could read a book on something and pick it up years later. And that book now has information that's actionable for you and before it meant nothing to you at all perhaps you weren't evolved enough or you weren't ready to hear that information or you didn't need it at the time who knows but rereading something can can be actually pretty powerful and i like was was an older doctor he told me um, he practiced in a small town in nebraska he said uh, he had a mentor, an older mentor, too, and okay. uh, his mentor told him, always be mindful when your patients bring you something to look at. He said, you can't afford to have a reader's service to provide the golden information that patient is bringing you. And so many practitioners, too, in conventional medicine, people bring things up, they clip things out, they bring a book, Right. Um, say, you know, my doctor needs to know about it, and it's completely rejected. Well, you if that's being rejected, you know, you can't have a relationship with that practitioner to, to yeah. go forward. If, I mean, I've had patients give me some things, and I appreciate it, and I actually will read it. Yes. <laughs> we have a patient who donated some pictures to us because we're an Indian Nation facility, and some of these were, well, painted by Indian artists. They were drawings or paintings, and she didn't mm -hmm. think her children would like them, and um, we hung them up in our clinic. I'm very proud to have them here, although my wife, who helps us with some of the decorating here in the clinic, doesn't think we need something on every wall, but I think that <laughs> when it comes donated like that from a patient, we need to value it, and it, it, it means more than just a picture on the wall. It does. It, it does. It's, it's really powerful. Uh, so I was going back to, let's go back to Jerry Lynn Pryor because I introduced sure. her and we got off. Um, okay. So I became uh, friends with her and one big piece of work she's put out and had a terrible time actually getting this published. And this is a whole nother um, pile of worms too about getting something published right. that's, that's valid and truthful. So she found that women in perimenopause have the highest amount of estrogen in their entire lives. And coupled with the loss of ovarian progesterone, which comes at ovulation to the first day of bleeding is when women's body puts out the huge amount of progesterone. Sometimes you lose that. In perimenopause, you stop having regular ovulations you skip yeah. a month here you skip a month there so then you don't have that so coupled with low progesterone and the highest estrogen you've ever had in your life and suddenly you have sleep problems high right. anxiety water retention headaches yep. migraine and you go to your conventional doctor and they say you're perimenopausal and you need estrogen Right. That's the wrong <laughs> approach. We've been talking about this the, on the show. Use natural progesterone. It's so much more broad spectrum. One of the first things I do for my patients is put them on DHA and pregnenolone because when we test for them, we find that they're almost always deficient. I'm Dr. Dan Roy. You've been listening to The Royal Treatment today. My guest has been Carol Peterson, registered pharmacist and certified nutritionist. Thank you for being with us, and hopefully you've learned one new thing. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, my friends, be well.